thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. And and today we're going to be talking about friends and how much they affect you. We're going to recap briefly what we went through last week. And, and we talked about how your thoughts lead to your actions, which lead to your lifestyle, which lead to your, lead to your destiny. And we, we talked about how to make sure that you guard your thoughts and that you are the sum total of your thoughts. So don't be too afraid if you have a few, a few moments of when you have negative thoughts um, because you are the sum total of your thoughts, not just those random thoughts that come in every... And, and, and I'm talking about this because we had a little bit of a, a rough day yesterday. And, and you know what? Sometimes you just think people are a pain in the butt. And it's okay. You don't get an immediate pain in your rear end. So that's nice. <clears throat> so um, a lot of people... I've, I've had this discussion <laughs> many times. And people will say, well, it's the thought that counts. And yeah, the thought starts the process... But the action that follows the thought is the most important. Do you have a thought of, hey, you know what, I'm going to start a new business? Do you have a thought of, hey, you know what, I want to get up every morning and exercise? You know, whatever your thought is, that's great. But it must be followed by action. That's how you change your life. So that's a quick recap of last week. And let's go ahead and move on with today, which our main main topic is is um, again we're your main topic we're going to get into is your friends and how they affect you but we have to talk a little bit more about what what life do you really want did you think of that over this week did you keep track of your notebook and, and keep track of some of your internal dialogue were you able to harness the power of your mind this week. Once you noticed some of those things popping up, were you able to change them? You know, if they were negative or if they were positive. So, so go ahead and let me know what was going on and how, how some of those things affected you. And, and I always love hearing from people. I didn't even start off with, with how to contact me. I apologize for that. Again, you should have my email address. It's genie at geniesiscometh.com. You can also catch me on Twitter at geniemeth. Or you can also get in touch with me on my Facebook page, which is also Meth or Bullyproofing You. Some of you were sending in your comments this week about as things came up, how you dealt with them. And, and some of you, I haven't heard from you yet, so make sure you let me know what's going on this week so we can keep in touch. Okay? One one person sent in to me, her name was Cindy, and she said she sent in that she was going crazy and she was monitoring her thoughts and she's like, Jeannie, you're driving me crazy because she was afraid that every single thought that came into her mind, she was more likely to take action on it. And I said, That's the beautiful thing of the conscious mind. As thoughts come in, you can immediately dismiss them or you can dwell on them. The more likely you the more you dwell on them the more likely you are to take action on them and so that's that's the distinguishing distinguishing fact is is 
<laughs> how much are you dwelling on it? How much real estate, I, I can say, are you giving it in your mind? And and can you, you know, if, if you re, refocus your mind or harness the power of your mind, as I say, then it can take you other places. So what I want you to do, I want you to go and grab your pencil, pen, paper, whatever, and you're going to write. I'm going to play a song called Dream Weaver, and I want you to write while this song is playing. And I want you to write what it is you really want to create. What is it that you want in your relationship? What is it that you want in your financial life? Uh, what about maybe if, if you're a parent, what do you want with your children? Um, if you're in school, what do you want in school? So so any anything that you want, what do you want? And I want you to get specific. Um, what does it look like? Uh, what does it taste like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? Okay, and so go ahead. We're going to listen to Dream Weaver by Gary Wright. Take away my worries of today. 
All right. Did you make sure and get what it smelled like, what it tasted like, what it felt like kinesthetically or emotionally? Those things are very important. The more you can make it vivid and really feel it, the more likely you are to be able to create it. It's the vague things. Well, I'll do it someday. Yeah, well, someday never comes. It's the, I'm going to start Monday morning at 8 o'clock going for a mile walk. Or it's, I'm going to start Saturday studying my Bible every day for an hour. Or I'm going to lift 100 pounds in my bench press today. Those are the types of things that get done. The vague, ambiguous things they don't happen. So when you're creating your life, your relationships, your financial well-being, um, the things that you want, make sure your your health, your fitness, make sure that you can get as, ex, as ex, explicit. <laughs> I couldn't get that word out. Make sure you get it exactly how you want it and get all five of your senses in there and the emotional part of it. And you will be amazed at how much more action you take on making things happen. So let's go ahead and move on. Um, go ahead and let me know uh, what some of the things you are that you have planned, and see, and you know, let me let me know what's going on. I I love to hear from you guys. Let me know how it's going. I love to know what people are doing for their their goals and their dreams. It always excites me. What we're going to talk about now is visualization. And I hear this a, a lot of, of different ways, meditation, visualization. Um, what I'm going to talk about is what I learned when I was young. And that was visualization on the basketball court. It was the first time I had ever been introduced to visualization. and. We were one of the first teams to ever utilize it, especially as a female team. I had an incredible coach. His name was Coach Pat Emerson. And I grew up in a very small town called Morton, Washington. So the fact that I was introduced to visualization at a very young age is really quite quite remarkable. My graduating class in 1985 was 25 people. So that tells you a little bit about how small we were. But we had a dynamic team. Not only was our conditioning exceptional, but the fact that we introduced visualization, I know, made a huge difference. And I remember laying on the basketball court and seeing us win. And even though, you know, we didn't have a lot of height, I was the tallest person on the team at six foot. Uh, we, we had kind of a young team when we started out. And obviously, when when you only have 300 people grades 7 to 12 it's not a very big pool to pull from and now my son's basketball team is I gotta sneeze (laughs) I apologize for that (laughs) this is live right Um, my son's team is totally different there's a few thousand kids in his school and they take the cream of the crop the top the best to play on the team and my team was pretty much if you showed up (laughs) you made the team and so for us to do as well as we did being contenders for state was pretty amazing 
And I remember, like I said, laying on that basketball court, seeing myself making my free throws, seeing myself um, taking the ball to the hoop, seeing myself making my hook shot and blocking out and defending. And, and I know all the other girls on the team did too because we had a phenomenal team. That's the type of visualization I am talking about. The visualization that you see yourself um, eating healthy. You see yourself taking the steps needed to make it happen, whatever it may be. Um, let's say, let's say that your visualization was to make twenty cold calls a day. That's been one of my goals. Except mine's fifty cold calls in a week, so it's not quite as steep as twenty a day. But there are many days that I do make twenty in a day. My minimum is fifty per week. And the maximum, there is no maximum. So I think the most that I've done in a day was 64 cold calls. And people tell me constantly, how can you do that? Why? How can you make that many phone calls, first of all? And second of all, how can you withstand that much rejection? Because you know, if I'm making 64 phone calls, I'm not making that many sales because I keep moving on. And it comes back to visualization. I just see myself picking up the phone and doing it. And so visualization is seeing yourself doing what it is you want to do, whatever that may be. All right? It's it's just sitting in a quiet place, closing your eyes, and seeing yourself do it. It may be as short as 5 to 10 seconds. It may be as long as 30 minutes. You can use music if you want. You can lay in your bed if you want. You can sit in a certain position. All of that doesn't really matter. What matters is you seeing yourself doing it. Right? When you... We're going to start moving into more of your friends and understanding yourself and where that where where you're coming from. And the other day I judged one of my friends and I remember saying, Okay, what is that saying about me? Because when you judge someone it's coming from where you are. And so it allows you to gain some insight into what's going on with you. And so if you find yourself judging people, maybe they're strangers, maybe they're politicians, maybe it's what's going on, then you then you can use that in a moment to see what it is that's going on inside of you. You see, we're like computers. And we have minimized programs that affect us. And many times they are minimized programs and we don't know what they are. And when you judge someone, typically it is a minimized program that is coming up in you. And so what we're talking about right here is making sure that you understand what's going on. So let me give you an example. 
The other day there was a political thing, and I, and I don't usually like to get political, but I know I'm going to push some buttons here. And as you know, President Obama released, you know, did the amnesty. I'm not even exactly sure what it is called. But he allowed amnesty to a bunch of illegal aliens. And everyone has a judgment about that. Yes? Yeah, I know you do. Because it's politically charged, it's emotionally charged, and there are people that are for it, there are people that are against it, and I am against it. And the reason I am against it is because I worked for an immigration office for a long time. And that immigration office showed me really how easy it is to become a legal citizen. Now I know that other countries may not teach their people the same thing. And and I also know that, you know, this is not widely distributed information. But because of my knowledge and the fact that people came here illegally, I think it's wrong. It's breaking a law. And I like to call myself a law-abiding citizen. Well, someone asked me immediately, well, do you speed? I said, well, no, I don't. If I catch myself speeding, I immediately slow down because I am human and I make mistakes. But I don't look at my speedometer and say, oh, well, I'm going to drive 10 miles an hour over the speed limit because that's usually what you can do. I'm not judging anyone in this moment. I'm just saying something about myself. I was a driver's ed teacher for many years. I had to watch those horrible shows over and over about blood on the highway and the accidents. And, and so I, I don't speed. I wear my seatbelt. I don't text and drive. I don't make phone calls and drive. If I do have a phone call, I always use my earpiece. If it's emotional, I'll pull over the side of the road. What does this have to do with judging someone? Well, it has to do with bringing your programs coming up. If you find someone texting and driving and it ticks you off, there's a reason for it. What's the reason? Well, people die when they text and drive. So what I want you to do is I want you to just over this next week, last week you were keeping track of your internal dialogue, correct? This week, I want you to keep track of when you judge people. So the same notebook, same piece of paper, whatever you had, keep track of when you judge yourself and others. Yes, I did say yourself. Because many times the judgment of yourself is much harsher than the judgments of others. And I want you to start digging in a little bit and finding out why you're judging yourself. And is it a correct judgment or is it not? And I had my mother and and I, my, my stepmom and I were talking the other day and I asked her the question of how do you know when you're being stupid and how do you know when you're moving forward in faith? Because to me, there's a very fine line or maybe even a blurred line or it's a very gray area. And she said to me something that I feel was very profound. She said to me, if you have a calming presence when you think about it, you're moving forward in faith. If the question, if you start questioning yourself about, am I being stupid? And you're agitated and you're angry or upset. That's coming from the devil. That's coming from negative energy. 
And that was really profound for me. And so as you're judging yourself or as you're judging others, as you're becoming aware, because as we said last week, and I say it all the time, awareness is the first step to change. So as you are aware of what's going on, become aware of your emotion, and that will help you know where you're at. All right? Make sense? Again, let me know how it's going for you guys. We're going to retouch on the thought of self-esteem. Many people do things from low self-esteem. And remember our, our pyramid with arrow, the very bottom is personal value. And you are valuable because you decide to believe it. That's why. Not because you're successful. Not because you do what someone else says. You are valuable because you decide to know that you are valuable. You are valuable because you are a human. And every human is valuable. There are other things that are valuable as well. But we're talking specifically about personal value. And things don't have personal value. People have personal value. And so I just wanted to retouch again that personal value, that self-esteem, because on it is what we build everything else. Now, after keeping track of your internal dialogue for the last week, after um, making the decision to value yourself, what does your new personal value look like? What does it feel like how do you react to others are you reacting to them differently yes we are getting ready to listen to another song and we'll be listening to one of my favorites of course these are all my favorites but this one's by phil collins and it's you'll be in my heart and while you're listening to this song i want you to write how does it feel when you feel powerful when you have a personal value what does it look like or, or, or smell like or sound like? Whatever modality you learn in. And how do you react to others and yourself?
able to answer the questions, I picked that song for a very important reason. You're going to feel a little bit um, bipolar. (laughs) And I say that because you're going to have your old you and you're going to have your new you. And what happens when you introduce anything new, you go through a period of adjustment. You have your X way, which is your old way of thinking, and your Y way, which is your new way of thinking, which is, I am powerful, I am strong, I am valuable, I am needed, I am loved. And as those two, what's going to happen is over the next few weeks as you're dealing with this and reminding yourself of this, you're either going to accept the new way of thinking, the new Y way of thinking, and kick out X, the old way, the disempowering way, or you're going to kick out the new way. And so what I want you to do over the next few weeks is remember who you really are. You are a powerful created being that has a purpose that's who you really are at your core and all of that junk that gets in the way is just that junk when you can reconnect to your personal value when you can reconnect to your purpose you are powerful beyond measure and I say this because I feel it in myself I'm human There are days when I'm just, oh my goodness, this sucks. You know, I got to slog through it. But when I reconnect to who I am and what my purpose is, it's not difficult. It's not hard. I can say the things I need to say. I can do the things I need to do. And I feel powerful. And it comes back to your core and your heart. Because in your heart, you know you're valuable. You just negate it. Your mind gets in the way. T. Harvecker calls it your monkey mind. Your monkey mind gets in the way of your heart. Reconnect to your heart and kick your monkey mind out. Make sense? Alrighty. Thanks. Either give yourself a high five or turn to your neighbor. I don't know if you're watching this by yourself. Maybe you're watching with your family, listening with your family. I don't know. Give them a high five and say, I am valuable. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. As you are changing and moving forward, you've created on your little piece of paper, if you did what I asked, you wrote it down, maybe you're in your car, you don't need to write it down, but you started thinking about it. And so now you have this new person that you want to grow into, this new be person. I want to be such and such. And as you know, you start thinking about it, Maybe you have a weight loss goal. I weigh 135 pounds. And as soon as you say that, your mind goes, no, you don't. But what you're going to do is start treating yourself as if you already are what you'd like to become. So you start treating yourself as if you're 135 pounds. Well, how would a person who's 135 pounds wanting to stay 135 pounds eat? What would they do? Would they exercise? Okay. Or you treat yourself as if you already are a very successful business person making $650,000 a year. How would that person act and be? How would they dress? How would they act? What would they do? 
Well, if you've got $650,000 worth of business, you're making sales calls or you have a team making sales calls. Okay, well, I can't have a team yet, so I got to make the sales calls, right? But how do you treat yourself as if you already are what you'd like to become? And I got that from Dr. Wayne Dyer. When you treat yourself as a valuable person, others around you start to treat you with more value. And that's what we're going to start talking about more today. We're going to talk about how your friends treat you. First of all, what I want to say is pick your friends. I used to have my my students in school actually do friend interviews. And I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but when you pick your friends instead of just accept them, you raise the caliber of friends you have if your personal value is strong. If it's not, you just accept anyone that comes along. And I'm going to tell you a story about my son now. And I'm sure he's okay with this because I've told him, I've told it before. When he was about three, between three and four, and even longer, we would go to McDonald's or Carl's Jr. and play in the play place. And I loved playing with them. And so we usually went to Carl's Jr. because they were the only ones big enough for me to be in. The tubes and stuff were big enough for me to be in. Now, none of them fit us because my son, as you know, is six foot nine. But we still enjoy playing together. But I digress. The purpose of the story is he's about three years old. We're at a play place. I'm sitting there uh, drinking my drink and reading a book because I would play with him for a while. Then they would meet new friends and go play and I would get a relaxed time. So I'm sitting there reading my book and Max comes up to me and he says, Mom, I want you to meet my new best friend. And I say, really? What's his name? And Max leans over to his new best friend and says, What's your name? And the little kid tells him. So I use it as a story to illustrate. You need to pick your friends. Don't just accept whoever comes along. Now Max never saw that little kid again. We never got together again. And it wasn't his new best friend. But in the moment, at that moment right now, it was. I'm I'm sure you've heard before you are exactly like the five people you hang out with the most. We're going to do we're going to go in a little bit more in depth than that in just a minute. Now, some of you are saying, "Well, I live in a family and I spend most of my time with my family, so am I going to be just like my family?" You can't pick your family. But you can decide how much time you spend with them. You can decide how much you allow their negativity to influence you. Maybe you realize, hey, you know what? I would never pick this, this, you know, my brother for my friend. Or I would never pick this aunt that I see once a year. I wouldn't pick them to hang out with them because of whatever, fill in the blank, their negativity, um, their judgmentalness, um, you know, their, their harassment of me, their bully, maybe they're a bully, I don't know. So what I'm asking you is, 
you decide how much time you spend with them. And I know, maybe at Christmas, you've got to spend time with people. Thanksgiving, you know, family holidays, reunions, whatever. But how much time do you give them outside of those settings? How much time do you spend dwelling on how they affect your life? So if you realize, hey, you know what, I have some friends I need to get rid of. You know what, I also have some family members that I need to not spend so much time with or I need to not spend so much time letting them dwell in my mind. That's what I'm talking about here. How much time do you allow them to be with you? This story, um, Richard Branson, as you know, is the owner of Virgin Records and many, many other things. But one of the first, to my knowledge, one of the first companies he started, maybe it was later on, I'm not sure. But he started this company in the 70s. And this story that I'm about to tell you comes from the 70s. And he has a, a quote that he says, your associations will either help or destroy you. And what happened was a band came into his recording studio and they hammered out a deal. They were going to sign with Virgin Records. And back then, they didn't have computers and and contracts that you could spit out very quickly. They had to all be hand-typed. And so while Richard Branson's secretary was typing up the contract, he turned to this young band, and he never says who the band was. But he turned to the band, he said, hey, you know what, I have, I have an acquaintance that owns a restaurant not too far from here. How about we go and have something to eat while these contracts are typed up? So they went to this restaurant. He doesn't say the name of the restaurant either. They go to the restaurant and they're ushered into kind of a back um, area because Richard knew the person and, you know, it's kind of a special deal. So as they're sitting in the back, they're enjoying each other's company, they're enjoying the food and, and, and getting along quite nicely. The meal progresses and the bill comes. Now, remember, this was during the 70s. And in the 60s and 70s, it was not quite the way... Anyways, the person brought out a tray with a bill that had a joint for every person on it. Now, why why this restaurant owner did that, I have no idea. Obviously, his programming was, it's okay to smoke. Everybody's doing it. So I'm just going to give you all a free joint. It's going to make me appear quite, it's going to make me appear, I don't know how he wanted to appear, but he thought it was a good thing to do. Richard Branson did not smoke. Neither did anyone in the band. However, they took the joint because of what? Yep, you got it, peer pressure. Every single one of them picked up a joint. Uh, Richard Branson paid the bill and said, let's go back and sign contracts. And the leader of the band said, hey, you know what? I forgot we have an appointment. Um, We've got to get going. We'll catch up with you later. Left and never, ever went back. and, And Richard Branson would try to contact them, couldn't get a hold of them. And finally, years and years later, he read a story about this band, and they revealed why they never went back to him, and it was because of the joint. They thought they were trying, that 
they were trying Richard was trying to get them high so he could take advantage of them now Richard had no control over what the restaurant owner did however remember stimulus and response if he didn't smoke at that moment when those those joints came out marijuana joints came out he should have said I don't smoke I don't want any part of this I'm offended in fact that you would bring it out to me now if he would have said that what would have happened well if the other members in the band didn't smoke or they did smoke right all of these these programs running in each person's mind allowing an association to affect your belief what he learned was they didn't sign with him because he thought they thought he was trying to rip him off and he figured out monetarily that it cost him over 50 million dollars in royalties if i remember the number correctly now a million dollars is a pile of 6 is a pile six foot high of $100 bills, just to kind of give you an idea. So he gave up 50 six foot high piles of $100 bills because of an association of his, an acquaintance of his. You may not know what you're giving up because of who you hang out with. But I guarantee if you're not following your heart, if you're not standing up for what you believe in, you are paying a price. You may not know that it cost you $50 million, but it may cost you something more. What if it costs you your life? You need to pick your friends. You need to make sure that they are who you want to be, who you want to become. Maybe you're struggling in some areas. Find people who aren't and get their advice. Because your associations will either help or destroy you. As Richard Branson says, I'm just asking you the question of what are yours doing for you. Something to add in your little notebook this week, right? Here's another quote. This is from Thomas Edison. And he says... I have friends in overalls whose friendship I would not swap for the favor of the kings of the world. And to me, what that means is it doesn't matter what job they have. It doesn't matter necessarily how they dress. What matters is their friendship is good. They are the people that I want to become. They make me a better person. It doesn't matter their title. It matters how their their inner being, their core, is what matters. That's what we're talking about with friends. Now, last week we talked about Helen Keller and Miss Sullivan. If Helen Keller hadn't had Miss Sullivan, we wouldn't have heard of her. And if Miss Sullivan hadn't had Miss Helen Keller, we wouldn't have heard of her either. It's the teams that come together that make you strong nobody makes it to the top by themselves nobody you are helped by people along the way and I used to think that I could do it all on my own and I didn't want any help 
I'll do it myself. I said that a lot. But then I realized that without the help of others, I wouldn't even be alive. I wouldn't have learned what I needed to learn. I wouldn't have grown where I needed to grow. Nobody makes it on their own. And when you start accepting the help of others, you progress much quicker. Because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Somebody else has already been there. So you can just continue to move forward and you will get even further because you get to stand on the shoulders of giants. That's what friends can do for you. That's what I want you to think about. Now what we're what we're going to talk about now is, is a song from Peter Gabriel and it's called Don't Give Up because you're going to have moments when you want to give up. You're going to have moments when you're trying to change your friends, you're trying to change how you live your life and it can get discouraging. And I want you to never give up. You're supposed to be writing in your paper about what changes you're going to make with regard to friends or family and your associations.
So as you're going through changes, as you're making changes, um, as things happen to you, you're going to want to give up. You're going to want to stop. And please contact me in those moments. I, I, We can keep each other going. I have moments I want to give up too. And I listen to this song and it helps me. Um, there are so many um, motivations and quotes and put them all over your house. Put them on your mirror. Things that tell you what your purpose is and what you want. Things that help you to continue to move forward. There are things that will happen to you that you have no control over. And in that moment between stimulus and response, you have a decision. And the decision is how are you going to react to it. So as you're making changes, how are you going to react to the changes? Are you going to slide back into your own old way of thinking because it's easier? Or are you going to continue to push forward and create a lasting change? It's the, the decision is totally yours, 100% yours. It does not affect me, whatever you choose. But I would love to hear what you choose. Again, let me know, Twitter at Jeannie Meth or Jeannie at GenieSiscoMeth.com. I'd love to hear from you. Also, catch up with me on Facebook at BullyProofingYou or Jeannie Cisco Meth. I'd love to hear your comments. Keep me posted. We only have a little bit more time here, and um, I'm going to go ahead and stop at this place because this kind of moves into a new one. We're going to talk about how to use success, how to use change to help you get success. I want you to go ahead and let me know um, questions, comments about friends. Um, You don't need to give me names of friends you're going to change, but... um, you know, let me know some of the changes that you're going to do right now. And um, just just let me know. Some, it, okay, so I know that I've used the names in the past. And if you don't want me to use your name, that's okay, let me know. But if you're okay with me using your name, and I, I just use first names, as you know. Um, and so... I'm, I'm debating whether to use this one or not. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and use it. I'm going to go with my intention here. And sometimes getting rid of family is the hardest. And um, this is a personal experience. When I first learned the information that I'm giving you, I realized that two people in my life were very toxic to me and I went about slowly moving them from my realm of influence and one of those people was my mother and I had to distance myself from her and it was very difficult because I love her and I care for her but she can be very toxic and very negative well as you know my mother has now moved in with me And I can't get the distance from her that I could when I lived in a different home. So it takes energy and the support of the family to keep ourselves positive. And we also have learned three words. Thank you for sharing. 
we love grandma we love my mom we care for her we do not want her any other place and it was a family decision to let her move in with us because we loved her and she would have been in a nursing home if we had not let her move in with us and my entire life my mother has been afraid of going into a nursing home and it's difficult but as we sat down and started talking we set up a support system and we support one another we take turns if someone needs a break I need a break and we realized the biggest thing that mom has shown me and I'm, I'm not sure if it has the other members of the family but the biggest thing having mom move in with me has shown me is that I was right in the decisions that I made because your thoughts do become your reality my mom constantly had thoughts of poor health my mom had constant thoughts of oh the world is out to get me my mom had constant thoughts of I'm no good I got my low self-esteem from listening and modeling my mom and I got my new self-esteem from making new decisions and modeling different people when I came in contact with this information um, back I started being exposed to it back in about 2000 is when I started being exposed to it and how it has changed my life and I look at where I am today and where my mother is today and I am so grateful that I have made different decisions that I am the person that I am now and it has taken me about 14 years to become a new person and I guarantee you that I am not the same person I will be next year this time next year the year after that and so it takes a constant reminder constant course correction my mentor Dr. Jeff McGee wrote a book called The Line absolutely phenomenal book but it talks about how if you're at point A and where you want to go is point C you have to constantly course correct to make sure that you're headed toward course C because many times you wind up at B which is way off the mark and you wonder how you got there well it was those little tiny decisions that you made clear back when you started out on your path Remember I said the future is not something you enter, it's something you create. And every day with your thoughts and who you surround yourself with, you are creating your future. And so as you are um, making huge changes, I know changing your friends is huge. But I also know that you must, if they are not the type of people you want to hang out with alright so I know that you have a difficult road ahead of you um, and please keep your comments coming to me let me know what's going on I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on this call today for listening to me in my podcast playback and thank you for spending time and listening please keep in touch with me. I look forward to hearing from you. Have a fabulous day. We'll see you soon. Or I'll hear from you soon because I may not see you. I know I may catch up with you, but thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Goodbye for now. 